Good morning, everyone. My name is Rob. It's great to have you with us today. If this is your first time joining us in person, I'd invite you to visit the I'm New desk in the foyer, and we have a gift for you, and we'd love to get the chance to get to know you. A special welcome to those of you who are joining us online today, and if this is your first time uh, joining us, uh, feel free to say hello or to introduce yourself in the chat feature on, on YouTube. Um, one of my favorite uh, bands that I have followed for many years is the uh, Irish uh, rock band U2. And in 2004, they came out with a new album entitled How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. Now, normally when I listen to a new album, I will sit down all by myself, listen to it from start to finish, and in the old days would open up the CD jacket and see who wrote the songs, where did they record the album, and try to get as much of the information about the album as possible absorbed, and then I could just kind of enjoy it. And I remember when this album came out, it was late in the year, I was intrigued by the title, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. Well, if you're wondering, it is not an actual how-to manual uh, to disarm an incendiary device. Uh, not that any of us should try that. I mean, it's actually born out of an experience that the lead singer Bono had in his life. A significant and disruptive experience that he had personally. And as he thought about, how is it as a human being that I navigate this difficult and challenging experience, he found that the metaphor of a disarming a bomb was the most appropriate for the experience that he was having. It's the exact same experience that the character that we're going to look at in the passage today as well had also, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. We're starting our new teaching series last Sunday called Starting Again, because as we head into the fall, this is an exciting time. It's a time for new routines, new schedules um, compared to last week, new weather, and um, we're just kind of, this is a new fun season. It's kind of new things are starting up again, and we've been looking forward to that, so it's great. But it's also a time where a lot of things continue to be very unclear, and in some cases, uncertain. Uh, for some of you, you might be experiencing this at work. Just This is a season where things are still uncertain. What are we doing? Are we working from home? Are we working in the office? Is everybody coming back to the office? What is this going to look like? And we know that it's fluid. Things are changing. I know for some of you in your family situations, things are unclear. You're kind of doing really well, but maybe there's some people in your family, they aren't doing as well as you. And you're trying to get kind of on the same page and figure out what is this fall going to look like? What are we kind of things that we're going to be doing together as a family? Um, I know for some of you, because uh, we're feeling it here at Rivercross, it's like, wow, lots of things are new and lots of things are really unclear. And we're in this steep learning curve of trying to figure out so many things. And maybe you even feel that too as you think about church. What's it going to look like to be involved in church right now? For me, what's that going to look like? And I think we're all kind of in the season where things are new and we're trying to figure things out. Um, earlier in the summer, I was reading through the Gospels and I got to the Gospel of John and I was, saw something that I'd never seen before. Um, I came to the story of just, you know, at the very end, you get the story of the resurrection of Jesus and then immediately after, in, in, the, in the book of Acts, you've got the story of the birth of the church. But I noticed that kind of tucked in between these two massive events in the life of the church, things weren't good. There's this little window of time where things are not going well, and Jesus needs to go looking for some people. On one hand, you've got the resurrection, the hope of our faith, that if Jesus was not resurrected, there's no hope for you and I. 
It's the hope that we have that when we pass from this life, that Jesus will also resurrect us. It's victory over death, that the same horsepower that God infused into the body of Jesus to physically resurrect him is available to you and I through the Holy Spirit, which is our hope for transformation and character change. So you've got the resurrection. On the other hand, you've got the birth of the church. That these people from different ages and stages of life, different ethnic backgrounds and religious backgrounds, when they heard the good news of Jesus, responded and a new family of faith was born. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit and as they went out into the community and shared the gospel and cared for people and did the things that Jesus had asked them to do, there was dramatic impact and transformation in towns and in villages and in families. So you get these two massive events But tucked in the middle, you get the story about the disciples, the people who were closest with Jesus, who walked with him day in and day out. They had front row seats to everything that he had done, and they were not doing very well. They were really struggling. In fact, there's four encounters of Jesus having to go person by person and re-engage people, reconnect with people, re-reach out to people that he'd already reached out to before. And so maybe today, even as we enter into this new exciting season of, you know, things are going better, you are kind of finding yourself like these disciples, stuck in a spot where you're just not quite sure where things are at right now. So we're going to look at these four encounters over these next number of weeks. And the first one we're going to look at today is the story of Jesus going and finding Mary Magdalene. We see this in in Luke chapter 8, kind of the first encounter that Jesus has with Mary. This is her LinkedIn profile picture here. We read this. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve, the disciples, were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, whom had seven de- demons come out of her, Joanna, wife of Husa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping support them out of their own financial means. So we learn a few things about Mary from these, from these verses, which are, are captured in all four of the Gospels of Jesus. Um, first is that Mary would have suffered significantly with this kind of, she would have severe emotional and psychological trauma to deem an exorcism necessary. And given the number of demons that she had, her life would have been complicated. She would have struggled to have normal relationships with people. She would have struggled to have control of her physical body and of her speech, meaning that she would have lived with great shame. And she would have experienced what maybe some of you have experienced, that her wealth could not fix the problems that she had. Her wealth and her beauty were not able to help her overcome the challenges and the difficulties that she was facing in her life. Until Jesus comes to town. And Jesus comes and speaks a word into her life. And she is healed. She's transformed from the inside out, and Mary becomes a follower of Jesus, literally following Jesus around. And Luke makes mention here that she was a wealthy woman and that she and some of her friends used their wealth to help support the ministry that Jesus had ongoing. And then if you fast forward a bit to the end of to John chapter 20, we find that Mary is one of the people that go to the tomb the day after Jesus had been crucified and buried. And she goes there to make sure that he gets proper treatment in his burial. 
And when she gets there, things aren't right. So let's take up the reading from John chapter 20, starting at verses 10 to 18. If you're using the Red Bible in front of you, it's on page 1686, or you can look it up on your phone as well. It reads like this. Then the disciples went back to their home. So Peter and John, they left the grave. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he asked, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, and she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus says, do not hold on to me. She must have kind of gone in for an instinctual hug, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them the things, that these, these things that Jesus had told to her. So we see in this passage, it starts out, Mary's at the tomb because someone that she deeply cared about had been unjustly tried and had been crucified. And she wants to make sure that he gets a proper burial. As in our day, if someone that we love passes away, we go to all kinds of lengths and all kinds of planning and detail to make sure they have a proper funeral so that they're honored in their death as we love them in life. And we want to make sure it gets done properly so that people know this person was important to us. And for Mary, this is personal. She's got no familial reason to be there. She's got no cultural reason to be there. She's there because she owes Jesus her life. That being wealthy and well-connected was of no help to her when she had her problems. And it was only Jesus who was able to restore her and to redeem her back to life. And so she comes to the grave to care for the one who had cared for her. But when she gets there, something is not right. The body is gone and her worst fears are assumed to be true. Not only did they crucify an innocent man, but someone has now done something with his body, meaning he's not going to get a proper burial. So she sees this angel who asks her why she's crying. And even before she can kind of absorb that moment, she hears somebody behind her. She turns to see whom she assumes to be the gardener who also asks her, why are you crying? As if crying at a cemetery is abnormal. Because weeping here is appropriate. Now, I started by talking about this U2 album, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, and that the lead singer Bono had had this significant life experience, and as he was trying to navigate it, the only metaphor that helped him really capture and make sense what he was going through was what it would be like if he was trying to dismantle a bomb. His experience, his dad had died. That earlier in 2004, his father passed away back in Ireland. And as he went and paid his respects and spent time with his family and started the grieving process, he was overwhelmed at all that he was feeling and all that he was going through. 
And as he tried to figure out, what is this like and how do I do this well, the metaphor that kind of captured what he was going through was trying to dismantle an atomic bomb. That it's complicated, it's stressful, and the stakes are extremely high. And this is what Mary had felt. She'd lost someone that she'd cared about. Someone who had transformed her life. She'd lost the opportunity to come and do right by him and make sure that he got a proper burial after all the ways that he'd been treated. She lost the community of people that she was a part of. They had all scattered. She'd lost the opportunity to continue on the work that she was involved with day in and day out. Now it had come to a complete halt and she did not know what was next. It was a massive disruption for her. And she found herself grieving. I wonder today about you. We've just been through a season of a massive disruption. And if there might be things in your heart as we begin in this new season, as we all try to start again, where you would say, there's some things that I'm grieving. I read an article the other day that was saying um, that normally as adults, we have a baseline. Just a, a baseline when life is normal and when we are doing okay. And we have highs, we have lows, but there's a baseline that kind of describes us as normal. And that for almost everybody on planet Earth, that baseline has been, would you say, gone up or gone down? It's gone down. Meaning, our highs are not as high as they used to be. And our lows are lower than we had ever experienced before. Meaning, a good thing doesn't feel quite as good as it used to. And a sad thing or a difficult thing or a hard thing feels even more challenging now. And just to cheer you up, almost everybody, this author was saying, on planet Earth is going through this experience as we speak. And maybe that resonates with you today. As you think about yourself, as you think about people that you love. How many of you remember uh, in March at the Oscars, there was an incident I don't even need to tell you what it is. In case you weren't there or you weren't watching, um, Will Smith heard something said about his wife um, by Chris Rock. And so he got up on the stage and he slapped him very hard in front of the whole entire world. This event captured so deeply um, a writer for the magazine, The Atlantic, who saw this and just said, this event typifies what's going on right now. And it charged them to write this article called why are people acting so weird? Why are people acting so weird? And this article described the impact that the pandemic over the last few years has had on people, and it listed all of the different things. Let me read them for your listening pleasure here today. Increases in crime, increased murder rates, unruly behavior, skyrocketing incidents of outbursts on planes, assaults on healthcare workers and teachers and school board meetings, verbal outbursts, increased accounts of carjackings, increased levels of drinking and drug use. And then it went through and listed story after story after story of people becoming, their word, unhinged and doing things that are out of character for them. Becoming unhinged at grocery stores, coffee shops, restaurants, and quite frankly, anywhere that you find people, that this was becoming the case. Their summation was that all of us are living in a time of high stress and low reward. 
that life is more complicated than it's ever been, causing increased levels of stress. And the return on all the work that you have to do just to do the basic things today, the return is lower than it's ever been before. The result being people acting weird. Now, maybe that resonates with you. And maybe you've had moments where you've caught yourself getting ready to write an email, caught yourself getting ready to say something, caught yourself in the middle of doing something, and you said, you know, this isn't normal for me. Maybe you have people that you love, and you've just kind of watched them over time, and you've seen some behavior in them that is uncharacteristic. And maybe part of the reason of that is because of this, all that we have been through together. And as a result of that, I would encourage you to think about and take some time to sit down with a pen and paper and reflect on the words of Jesus to Mary in this story where he asks her, why are you crying? What's going on inside of you right now? Why are you grieving? Or why are you avoiding people? Why are you drinking so much? Why can you now spend four hours in an evening just scrolling through your phone, just numb from everyday life? Why are you so frustrated? Why are you angry and snapping at everybody? And Jesus, when he asks these questions, he's not asking them out of judgment, but out of care and concern. Jesus, who went to Mary the very first time in her life, spoke a word of life, healed her, redeemed her in that moment, now comes looking for her again because she's grieving and speaks a word of life in her heart again, and she starts again. She has a brand new start. Over these next number of weeks, as we look through all of these stories of disciples that Jesus had to go looking for, because they weren't doing really well, we're going to find a common denominator in all of the stories. That in the story, we find them struggling, and then Jesus comes and he says something, he does something, and then their life is dramatically changed. And it happened in this story. I bet you caught it as we were reading through it together. Where Mary comes to the grave, to she's grieving, she's going to come and do right by this man who had been so caring to her, and she's going to make sure he gets the proper burial, and Jesus shows up, and she does not recognize him to see him. She recognizes his voice, and he says to her, Mary, Mary. It's the voice she would have heard the very first time Jesus showed up in her life and spoke her name and cast the demons out of her. It's the voice that she would have recognized as she sat around with the disciples, listening to Jesus teach about the power of the kingdom of God. It's the voice she would have heard when Jesus thanked her for her generosity and the way that she was helping make ministry happen for all kinds of people. It's the moment where Mary, the sheep, recognizes the voice of her shepherd. And in that moment, her heart is lifted, her burden falls away, and she experiences what, again, what she'd experienced before, a brand new beginning. And maybe in this season, that's what you're longing for too, is a brand new beginning. Now, last week I mentioned that as we go through these stories, there's kind of 
two goals that I've kind of got in my mind and heart for us as a church. One is, obviously, that as we read through these stories, if these stories kind of connect with you because that's where you're at, then it would be helpful to you. And there'd be so much good news for you. But secondly, for us as a congregation, that we would remember that we are here and we exist for the people of this city. And I'm guessing you're like me. And you know people right now who are stuck. You know people who are struggling. You know people whose baseline, it's gone down. And they're in a difficult season. And that we, as God's people, would be able to be there in caring, supportive ways to help them through this difficult time. It's what Jesus does to Mary here. He commissions her to go and to become the very first person ever, ever, the very first person ever to pronounce the good news that Jesus is resurrected and she has seen him. She is the apostle to the apostles. She is the very first one to share the good news that she has seen the Lord and he's alive. It's this wonderful, wonderful moment. And that we as a church have a season in front of us right now where we get to have this role with people. Not because we've got all the answers, not because we're doing awesome too, but because we know the one to whom will help us in this season. But it must start with our own hearts and allowing Jesus to resurrect us again, too. To speak a word into our hearts and resurrect our faith. And let me remind you today that Mary's starting again, her kind of resurrection, did not happen because she did something. It happened because Jesus went looking for her. And he went and found her. And when he did, he called out her name, and new life was born in her again. In this season, if you're needing a resurrection, the answer will not be because you go and do seven new things, and you get busier, and you get kind of more religious, and you have all this stuff that you're good. It will start because Jesus reaches out to you in his grace and breathes a new word of life in your hearts. You see, Mary in this story, she thought she was the living one going to look for the dead one. And she discovers in this moment that she was the dead one. And the living one comes and finds her and gives her a brand new start. And so if that's what you're looking for today, then this is your season to start again to open your heart to the grace of God, to open your heart to the Holy Spirit that lives within you, to speak and to renew and to begin something new. It will not start by us getting busier and just trying to do a bunch of stuff. Let Jesus be the one who reaches out to you with his grace and begins the transformation in your soul. I'm going to invite the team to come back up. And I just want to take a second to kind of introduce the song that we're going to do. I want you to imagine, you know, when, when people grieve, you know this, when people are going through a hard time, when they're stressed or anxious, their breathing is impacted, our breathing is impacted. And I want us to think about our breath as we get ready to conclude this morning, and I want you to imagine that as you are breathing in, God is breathing new life into you, that His Spirit is filling you. That his life is breaking through whatever difficulties you've been having in this season and is meeting you right where you are today. 
And I want you to imagine that as you breathe out today, you're kind of expelling just some of the struggles and the challenges and the difficulties that you've been having. As you breathe in, God's Spirit is filling you, and as you breathe out, you're kind of expelling those things from your heart today, and that God is meeting you in this moment. He has come looking for us with grace so that we can all start again. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you've come looking for us. That while we're rooting around, trying to figure things out, you come looking for us. That while we think that we are the living one looking for the dead one, you are the living one who comes to breathe new life into us again. And so, Lord, in this moment, we resist every temptation just to get busier and to take on a bunch of stuff. And, Lord, we just stop and say, God, would you just fill us with your spirit again? As we breathe in, would you fill us with your grace? And may we discover again the joy of the Lord.